Good afternoon, everybody. Joe Beaumont here on behalf of the Tacoma Historical Society. I'm here with Miss Erin Lasley, local historian to the Tacoma area, and today we're going to be talking about a very, uh, very famous personality you may have heard of. Before we get into that, how are you doing today, Erin? I'm doing pretty good. I'm good. Good to hear that. Are you uh, looking forward for a little little true crime? I am. I'm a huge. I'm a huge true crime fan. I, I've even like I've even pulled my mother into this like dark <laughs> web of mine, and she's like, "Okay, yeah, let's get t-shirts." <laughs> yeah, I'd, uh, I don't know. I, I feel like I really just want to. I mean, don't get me wrong. I enjoy like all the true crime and like seeing some of the stories that come out of it. But I really just want to see like the psychological side of why we love learning about this. Like yes. that fascinates me. Yes, uh, and that's I, I think like quite recently there's been like this true crime boom. Yeah, kind of a weird thing to see a boom. <laughs> it is, but I think you know I, I come from it at it from a, um, a female perspective, mm-hmm. and it's because most victims of crime are women. Yeah. So it's not only that we're learning about this history, but we're also learning how to a avoid it and <laughs> yeah. maybe b how to get away with it. Yeah. I don't I, know. I mean, if you can't dodge it, you got to do it better, right? I mean, yeah. not not that I'm endorsing or encouraging anything, yeah. but if you're going to do something, be good at it. Yeah, if you can't beat them, <laughs> join them. <laughs> On that positive note, a name uh, you may have heard up in the Northwest, Mr. D.B. Cooper. What, what can you tell me about this guy? <laughs> okay, this this story is so crazy. Yeah. Um, so obviously, um, this our story starts um, the day before Thanksgiving mm-hmm. on November 24th, 1971. Okay. And I think for some of our younger listeners, um, they they may not realize that the world was different in 1971. If you want the Rolling to, Stones were number one on the chat. It was great. It was wonderful. <laughs> I mean, there was no really no security mm-hmm. at the airport. Yeah. There was no metal detectors. None mm. of those fancy screeny ones where you got to put yeah. your hands above your head and stuff like that. You just walked up to the counter, bought a ticket. Maybe you had a present ID. Maybe you didn't. Mm-hmm. And you just got on the plane. And people could still come to the, like, see you off at the gate. Yeah. Just walk right in. It like. was, that was it. And of course, you know, there were some issues and this yeah. became the era of hijackings. Yes. Which I feel people do not appreciate like how many hijackings were actually happening in like the sixties and early seventies. Yeah. <laughs> um, you hear about it, a lot of it, um, a lot of these hijackers, you know, take me to Palestine yep. or take me to Africa, mm-hmm. um, which I think there was a really big one in Uganda. Yes. Um, but they don't realize that this stuff also happened in the United States. Yeah. A lot more frequently than you would expect. Yeah. And it was normally, you know, take me to Cuba. Yeah. Take me to Mexico. Uh, which, kind of like right now, I'm like, you know, Mexican vacation sounds really great right now. Hey, Puerto Vallarta, if you need some tips, I got you. Oh, but. my gosh. That'd be <laughs> awesome. Um, this story starts, like I said, um, November 24th, 1971. Mm-hmm. Um, people are traveling, like like today, going yeah. home for Thanksgiving. Too easy. And in Portland, Oregon, a you know, relatively unassuming man comes mm-hmm. up to um, the Northwest Orient Airlines counter, which is no longer <laughs> around today because no one's going to call it Orient. Um <laughs> And he purchases a ticket mm-hmm. to Seattle um, Tacoma Airport for twenty dollars. Awesome! <laughs> yeah, wonderful. Um, you know, he presents ID that says Dan Cooper. Okay. Um, like I said, very unassuming, mid forties guy, brown hair. You know, average. Nothing, no, nothing big, but he's wearing a suit. You yeah. know. I say lower white collar, middle class, sixties Americana. Just, just regular just guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
So he gets on uh, this Boeing 727, mm-hmm. which is pretty nice aircraft at the time. Yeah. Uh, it's flight 305. Mm-hmm. And back then, before they take off, they get your, your drink order. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. So very, very cushy. And he orders a bourbon and soda, which is kind of a bougie drink back then. Yeah. Not a lot of people ordering mixed drinks or whatever, <laughs> but bourbon and soda, that's... This guy, you, ready that's to potty. This guy. You know, the flight attendant, Miss um, um, Florence Schaffner, mm-hmm. you know, she said he was a relatively, once again, unassuming guy, yeah. very polite, kind of gentleman-like. Okay. And she doesn't get any vibes off of him whatsoever. Yeah. And so the flight takes off, and a little bit later, this Dan Cooper gives Miss Schaffner this note. And at first she's like, oh my gosh, another <laughs> businessman hitting on me, right? <laughs> but she's they like, have flight well, attendants yeah. everywhere, unfortunately. So she puts it in her pocket and he's looking at her. <laughs> and pretty much like that, like, you need to open that now. Yeah. And she's like, okay. So she takes it out of her pocket. And the note pretty much says to her recollection, mm-hmm. I have a bomb in the suitcase. Come sit next to me. And, All right. <laughs> yeah. And we're kind of like recording this, like yeah. in this public place. I didn't want to say that too loud. Yeah. <laughs> um, so she goes to sit by him and he opens up the briefcase. Yeah. And there's this this device, mm-hmm. you know. It could be, it could not be. Yeah. Who knows? Um, and so he tells her that he wants $200,000 in four parachutes. Mm-hmm. This is a time before we don't negotiate with terrorists. Yeah. And... Pretty much, if you did something like this, you were going to get what you wanted. Yeah. Or you're going to get blown out of the sky. Either <laughs> one. Uh, so she, you know, she goes up to the pilots, and I can only imagine what they're feeling. You know, at this time, they're either rolling their eyes or they're really freaking out. It's also like a 20-minute flight. You know, when you think Portland, Seattle, like, okay, we're going to do a puddle yeah. jump, and, like, it's going to be a real easy afternoon. It's going to be a really easy <laughs> afternoon. Turn it out. Did not become an easy afternoon. They did not make it home for Thanksgiving. Yeah. So... The pilots radio down to SeaTac. SeaTac yeah. gets, you know, involved with the airlines. The airlines are like, yeah, we'll pay it. Yeah. And, but of course, they call the FBI, too. Good to throw those guys in there. Yeah. You know, let, let them know what's going on. Let's throw them in there. So agents from the, um, the Seattle office um, go to the airport. They take this $200,000, all in $20 bills, which is important later on. Yeah. And they photograph each one. Mm-hmm. I can only imagine how much time that took, yeah. especially back then. Seriously. And so as they're waiting, the pilots are circling um, oh, the Tacoma area. Yeah. And our, our friend Dan Cooper even orders another drink, right? <laughs> He's chill. He's drinking. He's having a few cigarettes. No big deal. Mm-hmm. He even pays his drink tab and Good tries guy. to tip the, the, the flight attendant. <laughs> So and he, he's wearing these mirrored glasses, he's chill yeah. and everything, and like nothing's going on. But the other passengers, they don't know anything's happening. Yeah. All they're told is, hey, there's a maintenance issue, we yeah. can't land yet. Mm-hmm. So for two hours, they're circling. Oh. And Dan Cooper's like, oh, hey, yeah, that looks like Tacoma down there. Mm-hmm. Oh, did you know that the Air Force Base is only 20, you know, a 20 minute drive from SeaTac at the time? Yes. Yeah. You know, no longer that, that quick. <laughs> That bend in I five, man. Gosh, I five. So it's like he has knowledge of the area. Yeah. So finally, after two hours, they land, and the passengers debark, and off on the aft staircase, Mm -hmm. 
you know, not a lot of planes have these anymore. Yeah. Where there's a staircase that comes from the, the back of the plane. Yep. The money and four parachutes are delivered. Mm-hmm. In these $20 bills, which weighs over 20 pounds. Oh, yeah. That's, that's significant when you think about it. Yeah. yeah. So you kind of kind of wonder, it's like, why didn't he just say, you know, $100 increments here? Yeah. You know, decrease the weight. Because obviously he's going to do something with these parachutes. Yeah. And so he, he had... Two main parachutes, or um, what are they called? Primary parachutes? Yep, two primary chutes. And two reserves. Okay. And, but one of them's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, it ended up being a, a dummy chute. Okay. Accidentally. Oh, good. But he's going to use that. Yeah. So they take off, and and he tells the flight, the flight attendants, you know, go into the cockpit, lock the door. Yeah. And... He tells them, I want to go to Mexico. Okay. But you can't fly above 100 knots, and you can't go above 10,000 feet. And the pilot's like, we can't make it to Mexico on that. Yeah. It's going to burn through all the gas in a boat. Right. He's like, you know, you can go, we can either go west or we can go to Tahoe. Yeah. Dan's like, Tahoe's nice. Yeah. Let's go to Tahoe. Okay. And so he starts... He starts packing up these parachutes, yeah. but he takes one of the dummy chutes, and mm. he, it looks like what he did was put the money in part of the chute and use the, the cords mm-hmm. to tie it around himself. That's the theory. Yeah. Why is it a theory? Because nobody knows. Okay. Because in the middle of this flight, yeah. um, the aft stairs, mm-hmm. they start to go down. The pilot can see the indicator light, yep. and he can notice the you know, the, the difference in flying. Yeah. And he calls back on the intercom. Hey, are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. I don't need any help. All right. And a little bit later, they land in Tahoe. Dan Cooper's not on the flight. Hmm. The FBI's there. The state troopers are there. Sheriff's departments, local PD. Yeah. Everybody's there. They search the plane, being very careful with, yep. you know, this device <laughs> that, that's in the suitcase that he left. But all they find... Is the remaining parachutes, mm-hmm. um, his tie, his tie clip, and 66 fingerprints. Wow. That's it. No no Dan Cooper. So yeah. what happened to him? <laughs> Obviously, he yeah. jumped out of the back of the plate. <laughs> so, you know, over the next few weeks, they're searching this area. At first, um, the pilot says, you know... It could have been over the Lake Murren, Lewis River area. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they searched that. They even got a submarine to drag wow. <laughs> the lake. That is impressive. Um, so local PD military came out yeah. to, to, to um, search everything. And they're even calling financial institutions and, like, gambling yeah. places. Like, hey, if you guys see this money, yeah. you know, let us know. $200,000 back then, you know? We have... 10,000 photographs of these bills yeah, if you like see one. Yeah, show you. <laughs> so they got all the serial numbers. Like, let us know yeah. if you see this. And searching goes on. And a little bit later, the pilot's like, well, you know, maybe the area was over. I'm so going to mess this up. The Washagall River. Okay. And so more searching and more searching. They even start coming up with with these different suspects. And he's no longer referred to as Dan Cooper after mm. this. One of the newspapers over a wire service got it mixed up with a, a suspect. Oh, yeah. And he became known as D.B. Cooper. 
which let's admit, <laughs> DB is a little bit more sexier than Dan Cooper. It does add that flair of mystery. It yeah. does. And so the mystery is, did he get the money and escape? Mm. Or is he dead somewhere in like the wilderness of Washington? Yeah. I don't know. Can we call it the wilderness of Washington? I mean... I think so. You got like, you know, the jungle, you got Highlands Desert, you got every other thing. You can call it the wilderness. wilderness. <laughs> yeah. So because you gotta understand the night that he jumped, it's rainy. Mm. It's obviously night. Yeah. Um, he's wearing a suit and sunglasses. Yeah. And I'm not an expert on on skydiving. <laughs> I'm not. But I can only imagine the force of the wind coming at you. Mm. Wouldn't you rather have goggles? Some, I mean, eye protection is good at that point. Somewhere. Eye protection's good. And he's wearing a suit. Eh, you know, you gotta, it's before athleisure, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> but so it's just a yeah. little bit like, hmm, what are the chances that he actually survived this? Yeah. And then landing in either water, which mm. I guess that's not really good if you have a parachute. Not the best. <laughs> or you're landing in a forest, in a yeah. heavily... Um, you know, tempered area. Mm-hmm. So you could have been impaled by yeah. an evergreen. Also not the best. Also not <laughs> Crazy. the best. So they look, they search, nothing. Mm-hmm. Just poof, appears. And for the next nine years, it just yeah. becomes this mystery of D.B. Cooper. There's even copycats <laughs> of people doing this after him. And of course, oh, those people get caught. Yeah. Um, so one day... In 1980, in mm-hmm. February, there's this um, eight-year-old kid called Brian Ingram. Yeah. He's on the Columbia River, just outside of Vancouver, with his family. And, of course, what do kids do? You know, they're digging up stuff yeah. on the Pick on up the every beach. rock, every stick, yeah. you know. And he finds these bundles of cash. You All know, right. obviously, they're yeah. not in the best shape. Yeah. But he finds these bundles of cash, and he takes them to his dad. And, you know, his dad's probably, you know, does the smart thing. He... Calls the police. Uh, so, yeah, pockets them? No, no, calls Okay, yes, that yeah, is. <laughs> because who leaves $58,000 or um, oh. 500 I keep giving my numbers wrong. $5,800, not so much. Still still an okay find. Still on the an beach, okay, you know? yeah. Not gonna especially complain. back in 1980. Who leaves out on the beach? Yeah. Nope, does that. Yeah. Um, unless it's like pirate treasure or something. Mm-hmm. So they find these bills. They call up the police and... The FBI gets involved because the serial numbers match those of the $200,000 given oh, to wow. D.B. Cooper. Yep. So how did this money get there? Yeah. Because And, you know, there's so many theories. And there's people out there right now that they already know. They've already seen the documentaries. They already got the maps out. I mean, there's so many citizen sleuths on this one. They know or have a theory. How did the submarine miss this? Right, because they're... You know, some people are like, well, yeah, you know, he could have landed here and the money fell out mm. and it went down river and it landed in the Columbia yeah. and everything. And then there's people like, no, 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 because <laughs> the dredging operations the a couple of years before, yeah. it couldn't have been. And then recently the money was retested. And they're like, no, it had to be buried there months after yeah. the hijacking. <laughs> so there's all these freaking theories about just how the money got there alone. Yeah. And, I mean, we could... Honestly, you can do like two podcasts just on the money. <laughs> but here's the weird thing about the money. Mm. Other than the 5800 that was found on in the Columbia, mm-hmm. none of the other money has been found. Hasn't been spent. Wow. It hasn't been like found in like Al Capone's 
bolts, you know, <laughs> thank you, Geraldo Rivera. Um, there was so much in that, it was worth it. Yeah, just, there's no trace of it. Mm-hmm. So what kind of, what kind of guy yeah. gets $200,000 and doesn't spend any of it if he lived? Yeah. Um, maybe perhaps like it was, he's the ultimate like TV villain when he's like, oh, that's part of the plan because yeah. I want you guys to like think about this. I'm driving you crazy. But you know, nobody's like that. Yeah. You spend the money, but mm. none of it's ever reappeared. Huh. I mean, wouldn't you go to Vegas or something? And, you know, or 7-Eleven, like you need food at some point, yeah. you need water. It's like, yeah, you know, I got this $200,000, yeah. I'm fine. <sighs> so, yeah, so the money showed up, still no remains, yeah. still no parachute, obviously thousands upon thousands of suspects, mm. and I'll lift some of those off, yeah. but... In 2016, the FBI finally went, we're done. <laughs> we're closing the case. It's unsolved, but we're closing the case. We so don't want to hear from you guys. 45 years. They... 45 years. And they're like, we don't want to hear from you unless you found the parachute, you found the money, or you found the body. <laughs> other than that, leave us alone. We've got other things to do. And, of course, there's probably lots of FBI agents that are just like, please, I just want to open if up I'm the, the file. <laughs> it's like, I want to solve this. Yeah. So at the time, there were, like I said, thousands of suspects even mm-hmm. some poor guy in oregon db yeah. cooper that uh, became a suspect i'm sure he's received no crazy mail oh, or you yeah. know people showing up at his door oh yeah and there's even this small town i think in washington every year mm-hmm. um the weekend after thanksgiving people get together at this bar yeah and they toast to db cooper <laughs> that's awesome i mean it's just he's become this iconic figure yeah but everybody's like, well, who is D.B. Cooper? Mm-hmm. You know, there's people that say, oh, yeah, you know, it was my uncle because, you know, he and my un- other uncles, they disappeared over Thanksgiving and then suddenly they came back and they were nervous. Yeah. Or no, it was this guy because, you know, D.B. Cooper said he had a grudge yeah. on the airline. He told the, the flight attendant, she's like, do you have a grudge against the airline? Yeah. And he said, I don't have a grudge against the airline. I just have a grudge. Hmm. Of course, this is like... Right at the tail end of Vietnam. Yeah. So lots of people have grudges. Yeah, just a few. Just a few. But so some of the suspects, there's this one guy, he died in 1975, Jack mm. Colfett. Mm. Man, he was all about I'm D.B. Cooper, telling anybody <laughs> he could that he was D.B. Cooper. Like, even told the FBI. He was on 60 Minutes, and he tried to sell the movie rights, and everybody was just like. like 99 times out of 100, it's not the guy. It's but not the guy. Every once in a while. Yeah. And then there was this woman, um, Barbara Dayton. She's mm. actually a trans woman. Mm. Um, she was born as Robert. During World War II, she was part of the Merchant Marines in the yeah. Army. Uh, she worked for the airline industry before okay. she was fired. She had yeah. her um, surgery in 1969. Okay. So she did have this grudge against the airline. Yeah. And I remember watching this documentary about her. Yeah. And uh, her friends, like, they're like, yeah, you know, she confessed to us that she was D.B. Cooper. Hmm. But at the time of the, the hijacking, she was a woman. Yeah. And she didn't match the description. Okay. Uh, so that was a big one. That's an yeah. interesting one. I think Interesting. one of the most interesting ones I saw, and this one just floored me, yeah. is John List. Okay. The FBI seriously looked into him. Mm-hmm. For those that are not really into true crime, yeah. Um, 15 days before the hijacking uh, in New Jersey, John List killed his entire family. And I think now people are like, okay, I know who this guy is. Um, Like his son, his daughter, his wife, and his own mother. 
hmm. left them in the house, yeah. like told people he they were going on vacation. Their bodies weren't found until much later. And he disappeared into the world. It wasn't yeah. until um, America's Most Wanted came on TV. Mm-hmm. He was one of the first cases. You know, they did yeah. that, that bust of Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's how he was found. Huh. But at the time, he matched the description of D.B. Cooper. And the FBI is just like, mm, maybe. <laughs> he did some sketchy things and had to get away. He did. So, you know, what do you have to yeah. lose? That's fair. That's fair. So he was neither ruled in nor mm. ruled out. Yeah. Um, probably one of the most serious suspects at the time was mm. a guy named Richard McCoy Jr. Okay. He is one of the copycats. Uh, or is he a copycat? <laughs> the question comes out. Uh so after um, the Cooper hijacking, this guy gets on a plane, United mm. Airlines, out of Denver. Okay. Once again, hands a note mm-hmm. to the flight attendant, all that stuff yeah. and everything. I got a bomb. I need a bourbon. Let's Actually, do this. <laughs> it's a grenade. Oh, okay. Yeah, which is freaky in itself. You yeah. know, I don't, I don't mess around with grenades. <laughs> so he has a grenade and um, a gun. Mm-hmm. And once again, he asks... For four parachutes mm-hmm. and five hundred thousand dollars. Okay, up in the game a little yeah, bit. So if it worked the first time, yeah, yeah. Oh. So that happens in San Francisco. When they land, they give them the money. They give them the parachutes. Mm. They take off again. He jumps off out um, somewhere over like um, Provo, yeah. Utah. But this is how it's different. Yeah. DB Cooper never he he took the note with him. Mm-hmm. Anything with his handwriting, he took with him. This guy left the note, and left his fingerprints. So a few days yeah. later, here comes the FBI, and they arrest him, and hey, there's the money. <laughs> Two years later, mm. this genius breaks out of prison. He He's actually gone for four months before yeah. FBI finds him. And once again, the genius that he is, he shoots at the FBI, and of course they shouldn't kill him because that's one yeah. of the stupidest things you could do. <laughs> and the FBI's like, well, you know, he looks like him. It's the same description, but he may have been in Vegas at the time of the Cooper hijacking. (laughs) Maybe. Uh. So there's really not that many, I mean, all these suspects, they can't rule them in, they can't rule them out. But the great thing about this, and this is like the true crime fanatic in me, I'm already getting excited. (laughs) There was DNA left behind. Okay. Because Cooper left behind his tie. Oh, yeah. And they analyzed it. They found three samples. Two of them are kind of partial samples. Mm. One of them is actually a better sample. It had more markers to them. If yeah. anybody's familiar with DNA. Yeah. Of course, all these true crime fanatics that are out there are going, yeah. oh, my gosh, DNA. <laughs> and for me, I'm like, forensic genealogy. Let's do this. <laughs> I volunteer. Um, but it hasn't been tested because there's no guarantee that that DNA sample actually belonged to Cooper. It could have belonged to a flight attendant. Yeah. Could have belonged to just some random person. It uh, could be touch DNA. It could be saliva. You don't know what it is. Yeah. Or at least we the public don't yeah. know. But like I'm over here, it's like, come on. Let's just run it through Gen Match. Let's do it. Let's do some forensic genealogy. So we'll just, solve just it. put it on twenty three and me, like <laughs> Yeah. Well once again that's an entire different yeah. you know Oh that, yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. They have the fingerprints, they have the DNA. But it's probably not going to help them that much. Yeah. What D.B. Cooper did do for us, mm-hmm. and we should thank him for that, this, now we have bag searches. 
Yeah. Now we have to go through metal detectors. That's because <laughs> of him. Yeah. Also because of him, you can no longer lower aft stairs um, on planes. There's just, That was my favorite activity. That was, the, that was the best time, right? But that's now why these these airplanes have this little device called the Cooper vane. There's mm-hmm. a couple other names for them, too. Yeah. But when it's in flight, you can't lower the stairs because of this <laughs> device named specifically after him because he just ruined it for the rest of us. Um, that's wild. So that's pretty much, in a nutshell... The story of D.B. Cooper, yeah. it is one of America's most, like, famous mysteries, especially mm. in this area. Everybody yeah. knows who D.B. Cooper is. Mm. But at the same time, like, as a historian, as a true, true crime buff, you got to remember, this guy was a criminal. Yes. He probably uh, scared those flight attendants and those pilots out of their minds. Yeah, so as, as much as we glamorize it, it he still hijacked a plane he's with a bomb. <laughs> and while we sh- part, part of us should thank him, it's like, hey, yeah. thanks for pointing out our you know security you know yeah. mistakes. But he's still a criminal. Mm. Personally, I think he probably didn't make it. Yeah. Because um, I like I said, I think of that jump. It was it's rainy. Like it was cold. Bad weather. Bad outfit. Probably not the most experienced. Probably not like. the most experienced. And like I said, who gets two hundred thousand dollars and then doesn't spend it? I uh, mean, you put in all that effort. Yeah. I mean, you're at least gonna take a trip to Tahiti have, or something. Have a steak dinner. Just something. Yeah. But but like I said, that that's DB Cooper, and I, you know, you probably have a lot of listeners right yeah. now going. Oh, I would have mentioned this and this and this and this. We could spend hours and days on this alone. Uh, well, I, I don't, I don't know. I've, now I just got to go hiking, hiking down by the river in uh, Southern Washington. See what there, I can do. There are actually um, clubs and individuals oh, yeah. that take specific hiking trips looking mm. for DB Cooper. Well, there we go. Fun, fun activity for the whole family. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you for uh, imparting that awesome story of Dan Cooper or DB Cooper or you know. Any of those possible copycats? I'm so curious now. Okay, sorry. That was Aaron Leslie, local historian. And yeah, let's raise up a bourbon and soda with a Grit City story about D.B. Cooper. I'm Joe Boma, Tacoma Historical Society. Have a great rest of your day.